Oh, good morning, church. It is so good to be back with you again. I can't believe this is our fourth time. Uh, Are you tired of us yet? (laughs) I was like, I I was wondering, how are you handling the Benedict invasion? You know, we take up a whole pew. Uh, Still some room up here in the splash zone, though, if anybody comes in. It is uh, great, great to be here. Um, So many people we could thank. Um, but I think uh, particularly the Leavers, thanks so much for blessing us uh, and being hospitable, kind of being the tip of the spear on your very hospitable church. Uh, I know I've said this, this before, but I'll say it again. You guys don't know how special you have it here um, in the way that families connect together. What a, what a blessing. Um, so uh, one small caveat to all of that, uh, I came down from, uh, for breakfast uh, on uh, yesterday, and this mug was sitting out there for me, and I thought, well, it, it's nice, uh, nice that you guys are welcoming and all, but, well, I guess I can do that, okay? <laughs> no. We have been studying the church over the last two weeks, and I know that next week then, uh, Pastor Sam will be uh, continuing in the How to Prepare for Your Next Pastor um, but uh, let me just say uh, from, from Pam and my perspective, and I trust the kids, uh, regardless of the outcome of any, any particular vote, we have been so blessed, and it's been so, uh, so, such a blessing and restorative to be here. Um, and so, so I could pick out individuals, um, but thank you so, so much for that. We're, uh, in this series, we're, uh, we started out talking about who I am which I believe uh, is the foundation for all spiritual growth and discipleship, to know who God has made us to be. Um, And so last week I introduced this this, um, card, which I trust many of you still have. Uh, Let's say this all together with, with gusto this morning. Ready? This is, I am an adopted child of God who is loved, blessed, chosen, holy, redeemed, forgiven, and called, and his for a purpose, that's who I am. And if you get a hold of that, that is life transforming. And now we're going to move from this idea of who am I to who are we. Who are we as a church? And if we take this understanding of our identity in Christ and we move to how we function as a body, we'll find that, boy, um, church life goes so much easier. When we know who we are in Christ, there's no jealousy, there's no competition, there's no envy, there's no comparison, because God has made you for a specific task, he's made me for a specific task. He's given you gifts, He's given me gifts. And as 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, who are we to look at one gift and say it's more important than the other? I mean, which would you rather have, hair or a heart? (laughs) Right? You know? You say, well, hair, it's just so lovely out there. Well, you know, yeah, that's good. But man, you, you need a heart. But the heart isn't seen. The heart isn't seen. And so here, even at the church, there is a core of people who are serving in the church who will never be seen, but they are essential. And you also are essential to the kingdom of God. So who are we uh, moving into that? You know, one of the things that we love to do as, a church, as, as an American people is compare. 
We love this uh, kind of uh, before-after thing, uh, the idea of um, connecting, um, you know, uh, can we make things better? And so here are some, be- we do this with people. Uh, we do this with our homes, you know, uh, home improvement uh, there. We even do this with pets, <laughs> right, you know? Um, but one of the things I'd like to introduce to you is the possibility that we have an extreme makeover church edition. What would it look like if the church functioned the way God wanted it to function? And you know what? I, I, I guarantee you there's probably not a person in this room who, had, who doesn't have a church wound. Yeah. Filled with imperfect people, imperfect systems, and we find that the body of Christ, the very thing that God granted to this world to bless the world, becomes a, 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 a vehicle of hurt and pain. You know, what, what is the main criticism? Uh, you'll, you, this is a fill in the blank. The main criticism that most un, unchurched people have about the church the church is filled with hypocrites. Now, uh, that's true because we're all human, and they're hypocrites too, whether they want to admit it or not. But still, point taken, boy, the church, we have kind of messed this thing up. A 2016 Barna survey says that 73% of Americans identify as Christians, but 38% of Americans are active churchgoers. So people like the idea of Christianity, but they don't like the idea of gathering together as a church. Um, Most people have a positive view of Jesus and a negative view of Christians. Why is that? And so, uh, but, you know, we, we, we want to nuance this as well, because Jonathan was saying uh, in, the, uh, in the business meeting last Sunday night that Sam had said, if the church didn't have any problems, we wouldn't have the New Testament, you know, which is true. Two-thirds of the New Testament are the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote to churches because what? They were messed up. And so, by definition, because we're human, the church is not all that God called it to be or wants it to be. But I tell you what, we can do better by the grace of God. We can become that light and salt. And so the question then begs, well, what does a healthy and functioning church look like? Well, we can go to Scripture for that to find out. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, or your phone or your device. If you are here and are using a pew Bible, it's page 906. Acts chapter 2, as we discover together this morning what a healthy and functioning church looks like. Who are we? Who are we? I'll read, and you can follow through. The words are up on the screen as you need them. Acts 2, beginning in verse 42, and this is immediately after the apostle Peter preaches, and 3,000 people come to Christ. So all of a sudden, the church has gone from 120 to 3,120. Wow, we think we've got problems, right? Well, with that, uh, there wouldn't be a single baked potato left in all of Lancaster County if we came together for that one. But let's read. This is, what, what, uh, this is the marching orders that the church had. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, 
And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Wow. I could be a part of that church, couldn't you? Are you there here this morning? Does that, does that passage excite you about the possibility of, of being a part of a church like that? I hear that. Amen. All right. So let's, let's just unpack this passage a little bit and see what God has. What is a functioning church look like? Who has God created us to be? The first thing I want us to see out of this passage is that a healthy church grows deeper. It grows deeper. Look at the, at the verse, all believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So let's start off with that idea of the apostles' teaching. Uh, well, what is that? Well, you know, when we look in the New Testament, there's two words, uh, two, two ideas of this, of this uh, idea of faith. The first idea of faith is the, uh, something that we would express. So in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But the second use of this word faith is the idea of the faith. The, the faith, the idea that there is a content, there is uh, something that God has given to the church, which is, is given to us for our own growth. The idea of faith. Um, uh, let, me, let me find it here because I'm, I'm, I'm skipping. Oh, you know what? When you staple your notes together backwards, that's a problem. Wow. The, uh, Jude 3 talks about how uh, there is a faith once for all delivered to the saints. And so there is a body of content that God has given. And where do we find that? Ooh, right here. Right here in the Bible. And so when we say a healthy church grows deeper, what we mean is a church grows deeper in its understanding of the Word of God. Now, Many Christians treat the, uh, the understanding of the Word of God, the Bible, kind of like a shady maple smorgasbord, you know? They go and they pick off of the buffet what they really like. So we were there for lunch the other day, and one of my kids, who will remain nameless, came back and I said, there's not a green thing on your plate. Well, what did they do? They picked off all of the, and it was all like brown, I don't know. They picked off everything that they wanted, right? Now, uh, and, and, then, and then the dessert bar. I mean, you know, um, it was apple and cherry and blueberry and mixed berry and lemon meringue and peanut butter, and, and, and those were only the pies that I had, you know? <laughs> But you know what? I did not walk out of Shady Maple feeling particularly healthy. Uh, I felt sick. I really did. That den of gluttony. You know what? Um, Many people, when they go to God's Word, they just want what tickles their ear. They just want part of it. We are devoted, the church should be devoted to what we call the whole counsel of God. 
every verse. You say, there are some things that I don't understand in the Bible. Hey, join the club. In fact, uh, for Peter said in 1 Peter 3 that there's some stuff that he didn't understand. He said Paul wrote some stuff which was pretty difficult to understand. But you know what? The whole council, the meat, the milk, the veggies, the, the juice, all of it comes together to, to have a healthy diet. That's one of the reasons why I, as a pastor and preacher, uh, am, am dedicated to what we call expository preaching, which is verse by verse. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't go to series or we can't, uh, you know, um, um, introduce topics which are particularly pertinent to the, to the church. Absolutely. Let's do a series on marriage. Let's do a series on unity. But even in that, you take a passage of Scripture and you say, well, what does God say to us out of that? Uh, relax. We won't get into a 79-part series on the book of Philemon. Uh, won't go there, you know. But what does the Bible say? What we find if, if we don't, uh, you know, let the Bible set the agenda for us is that pastors get on their hobby horse. It's like, so, so it's like, man, this, this sounds an awful lot like last week's sermon, but it's a different passage. Well, uh, we all have our hobby horses, and I have mine, which I won't share, share with you because you'll figure that out. No. Um, but uh, letting the Bible itself set the agenda. But notice, I want, I want, uh, I want well, let me ask this, this to you. Um, so are you growing in your understanding of God's Word? Are you growing? You say, well, well we, there are all kinds of means that this church has put together for that. Uh, right now, media. Man, you know, there are thousands of Bible studies on that that you could step through at your own pace. There are podcasts galore, there's Christian radio, there's Bible studies that are offered here or elsewhere in the community, all of us can intentionally grow uh, as we take steps of faith in Christ. One of the things that I often say, and I'll say it again uh, here, probably for well, it's the first time, so I'll say it here again for the first time, if you are relying on Sunday morning for your spiritual growth, you are by definition starving. Say amen, even if you don't agree. Yeah, it's true. You think about eating. Uh, we eat uh, three times a day, right? And if you're a hobbit, right, you've got uh, a, a breakfast, second breakfast, elevensies, lunch. You've got second lunch, dinner, supper. We eat all the time physically to, to, uh, to strengthen our body, but we only eat once a week. For our spirit, there's so much more. A healthy church grows deeper, but, but notice it's not just content, okay? So all the believers devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, but what else? Well, to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. There's this experiential uh, piece of walking with God. Are you growing in that? Are you growing in your ability to pray and to fellowship with God's people, to understand his word, but also to apply it to our lives, to be transformed? All of us know people who have been saved and have known Christ for 30 or 40 years, and you look at them and you say, you are such a crotchety cuss. You ever you to be a person like that? It's like, okay, you know more about Scripture than I do, but your life hasn't been transformed. 
And so it's more, a healthy church grows deeper. It's more than just Bible knowledge. It's, it's life transformation. Let's be that church. Notice a healthy church also, though, grows in community. It grows in community. They devoted themselves, it says in verse 42, to fellowship. Well, what does that look like? Well, the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money to those in need. A healthy church grows in community. The word community, as many of you probably know, if you've heard preaching before, is this word koinonia, which comes from the Greek word koine, which means common. They held all things in common. The healthy church grows in community. This idea of participatory fellowship. What was the appeal of the early church? We know that the early church grew exponentially. And of course, that was due to an a, a amazing work of the Holy Spirit. But as the church progressed through, through history, why, why did people join or, or become a part of the church? What initially attracted them to it? It wasn't the fact that a Jewish carpenter in, in, uh, in Palestine, thousands of miles from where they were in the Roman Empire, had died. That wasn't the calling card. That wasn't what was attractive. What it was was that slaves and free and Jews and Gentiles and rich and poor and men and women met together and they loved each other in a way that the Roman Empire found completely foreign and strange. The community met each other's needs. And then after it met each other's needs, it met the needs of those outside. So uh, there was uh, the last emperor uh, before Constantine, who declared Christianity uh, in the Roman Empire, which wasn't necessarily a good thing, but, uh, but before the Roman Empire became Christian, uh, the last uh, pagan emperor, Emperor Julian II, this is what he wrote about the Christians of his day. This is like 300 AD. These impious Galileans, or Christians, not only feed their own, but ours also welcoming them with their agape, which is the Greek word for love. They attract them, and children are attracted, as children are attracted with cakes. While the pagan priests neglect the poor, the hated Galileans devote themselves to works of charity, and by display of false compassion, having established and, and given effect to their pernicious errors, such practice is common among them and causes contempt for our gods." He wrote this in an epistle to the pagan high priests. So, man, these Christians are wiping the floor with us because they're loving our people. Wow. I want to be a part of a church which loves people and loves people within the congregation, but also loves people outside. Jesus said in John 13, 35, Now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So what is the calling card of the church? Is it doctrine? People will know that you're my followers, that you believe properly. Now, we should believe properly. Uh, people will know that you're my disciples by having excellent and quality children's ministry by love. By love, we are known. So what is Bethany Grace known for? Or what do we want to be known for? Conference quality preaching and teaching? 
I always told my congregation in, uh, in Virginia, hey, if you want the best preaching, stay home and listen to Andy Stanley on the podcast. That's what I would do, you know? It's got to be more than that. You say, well, 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 it's about worship. It's just about, about worship. Uh, well, you know, well, then let's all stay home and log on to uh, Bethel or, or, or Hillsong United, right? We could get the best worship. Well, no. What is the scorecard? Well, the scorecard is 1 Corinthians 13. You can have all of these things, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. And so why do we gather together to express our love one for another while hearing preaching and while worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth? Bethany Grace should be known in this community for its love. Let me... uh, this idea of community, I think, I think is a fairly strong one here where Mennonite and Amish are so, so pronounced. We, we get this idea of community. So let me just give you a, a couple of questions to kind of check with you uh, on how community is actually doing. A little barometer or, or dashboard indicator here for Bethany Grace. Let me ask you this. I'm asking you, you personally. When was the last time you had a significant spiritual conversation with somebody in here? Not how the Phillies are doing or, or the Eagles. You, you had a, a specific spiritual conversation with somebody. When was the last time you had a specific spiritual conversation with somebody outside of this campus? Is there anyone here within the congregation outside of your personal family who you can say, they're my friend. I love them. I'm concerned about them. When was, uh, let's just take a note from this particular passage where it talks about how they ate their food together with gladness. When was the last time you had another church family over that you weren't related to? So I think there's room for all of us to say, man, we can grow in this idea of community. A church, a healthy church grows in its community. You know, back in uh, 167 A.D., there was a plague in the Roman Empire. And this was, this was the impetus for great growth amongst uh, the Christian community. The, the, they don't know what the plague was. They think maybe it was measles or, or perhaps it was smallpox. But anyway, people in the, in the Roman Empire were dropping like flies. And the pagan world was running out of the cities. You know what the Christians were doing? They were running into them to help to minister, to express love. A healthy church also, though, grows in worship. They worship together in the temple. Each day they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying goodwill of the people. So they met in the temple for worship, right? But it also notice that they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So there was a small group worship component. So let me just ask you a general question. Are you a worshiper? Would you consider yourself a person who, who, who connects with God? Well, let me, let me say this. If we will connect with God in worship personally, when we get to here for corporate worship, it's like icing on the cake. If you feel disconnected from worship when you gather corporately, I would suggest it's possible that you're not worshiping God 
individually or specifically on, on a personal level. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that we're supposed to present our bodies as a living sacrifice daily. We come and say, Lord, I, I'm going to worship you today with my life. Listen to these scriptures, uh, uh, Psalm 29, 2. Honor the Lord and for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Psalm 95, 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Psalm 100, verse 2. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing. Hey, you guys are great singers. Notice when the instruments drop low, this place was just filled. I was worried that I was going to blow my voice out on, the great I am. It was a wonderful, wonderful time of worship. That is a sign of a healthy church. That's a sign of a healthy individual. If you can enter into worship of the Lord. And finally here, Can you advance me to the next slide? I think it just dropped out. A healthy church grows outward. This is the end of the passage. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, I don't know if, if you follow even the evangelical churches at large, but church growth has been a thing for like the last 30 years. How are we going to grow our church? How are we going to grow? How are we going to bring people in? How are we going to uh, uh, get a bigger crowd? In this passage, who added to the church? It was the Lord, right? So I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry, I can't make this church grow. You know what? You can't either. Now, there's probably strategies that we can put together to fill the building more, but we can't really make a church grow. It's the Lord who adds to the church the people who are being saved. So this is my idea that comes out of this passage. If we will grow deeper in our understanding of God's word and in life transformation, if we will grow in community and truly love each other like Christ loved the church, if we will become a hotbed of worship and praise of our God, then the church will just grow. And that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. Final slide. Oh, look at this, our vision, Bethany Grace Fellowship. It's to thrive, to impact, and to unify. You know, it sounds like it came right out of this passage. And so let me encourage you. Let's encourage us. God has a plan for his church, and it is plan A. There is no plan B. And we are the church. And, and how do we impact? How do we thrive? How do we unify? Well, tell you what. Let's go deeper into God's word. Let's let it transform our lives. Let's uh, become unified as a church and truly love one another so that there's not a person who would walk in this door, regardless of how they're dressed, regardless of their background, regardless of their race or nationality, that wouldn't feel completely loved by God's people. And that there wouldn't be a single person in here who is isolated, who feels alone without somebody noticing and stepping in. Let's not be three-minute lobby Christians. Oh, how you doing? No, it's good. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Have the same conversation over again and head out to your car. 
If we will do these things, then we will become a church that impacts. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to share my heart and your word with God's people. Lord, I'm not completely sure what you have for Bethany Grace Fellowship, and I'm not completely sure what you have for, uh, for the Benedict family. But Lord, setting both of those things aside, I know your heart for this church. Your, your heart for this church is that it would thrive and grow in, in its understanding and love of you, that individuals would come to faith in Christ, and that we would love one another. Lord, make this that place. For your honor and your glory, we pray. Amen.